a seat. There's a lot of you in here. Man, thank you guys for your patience and your grace and flexibility. And we got as many as we could in the room, and some are probably going to have to come back to the 1130 service. Uh, my name's Todd. I get to serve as the campus pastor here. And uh, we're just so honored that you would join us for Easter, the day that we celebrate Christ is risen, right? He's risen indeed. But you know, without, without uh, Good Friday, there would never be an Easter Sunday. Without death and pain and grief and loss, there would never be life and hope and forgiveness and resurrection. I think of the words of C.S. Lewis. He said, the death of a loved one is like an amputation. He says, her absence is like the sky spread over everything. He wrote those words uh, after losing the love of his life, Joy, when she passed away from cancer. And it, it, he was describing how life felt then as if there was always something that was missing. And some of you in this room, you've, you've experienced horrible pain, grief, losses, and you're not alone in that. When we look into the scriptures, there's, there's two ladies, two sisters actually, Mary and Martha, who experienced such loss with their brother Lazarus. In John chapter 11, we enter into the story and it says, a man named Lazarus was sick and he lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. And it says, so the two sisters, they sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is sick. See, Jesus had a relationship with Mary and Martha and their brother, Lazarus, and probably they were sending messages to Jesus for a number of reasons. Partially, they knew that they were close friends, and so they just knew that Jesus would want to know that his friend was sick. But I think they were also sending word to Jesus because they had probably seen Jesus perform miracles before, and they thought if anybody could do something for our brother Lazarus that is so, so sick, it would be Jesus. It says, but when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Now, Jesus wasn't saying these particular words to Mary and Martha. He was saying these to the disciples and some of the messengers that had come to let him know. So Mary and Martha, they have no idea about this, this word of kind of encouragement that Jesus gives saying, don't worry, Lazarus, he's not going to die. Like this sickness, it's not going to end in death. In fact, he goes on to say, no, it happened. Like this sickness of Lazarus happened so that the glory of God would be shared and the Son of God would receive glory from this. Isn't this interesting? That Jesus is saying that if God is in the story, even in the story of sickness, sickness doesn't have to be the end of the story. Even death doesn't have to be the end of the story. And he gives this hope saying that the, the, the life of Lazarus and the sickness, it's going to bring glory and point to Jesus and his power. But what happens when, when you're holding on to hope, when you're holding on to words like that, a promise like, no, don't worry, it's going to be okay, and then everything isn't okay? See, Mary and Martha, they didn't know about this promise and over the course of the next few days, Jesus didn't run to the rescue of Lazarus, and actually Lazarus died. So now what, Jesus? 
You ever been in one of those moments? So now what, Jesus? It doesn't feel like you came through. In fact, the, the disciples who are with Jesus, they're very confused, and they think that maybe Lazarus is just sleeping. And they're like, oh, we don't have to go all the way back uh, to, to go check on him. He's, I mean, surely he's going to wake up. And then Jesus confirms in Luke 11, 14, and 15, it says, so he told them plainly, no, Lazarus is dead. But then he says these words, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. It sounds so cold, doesn't it? He says, As for your sakes, I'm, I'm glad that I wasn't there. For now, he says, you will really believe. It's like Jesus was saying, it's actually good that he has died because something more is yet to unfold in the story, the story of sickness, even in the story of death. And so he says, so let's go see him. So they, they head back to Bethany where... Lazarus is laying in a tomb to meet Mary and Martha. And I want to jump ahead a little bit in the text and just look at first Jesus' response to Mary. It says, when Mary arrived and she saw Jesus, she fell at his feet. And look at her words, the honesty. She says, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Boy, that's... That's honest, isn't it? That's putting it right out there. That's confronting Jesus. Then Jesus, you had the power to do something. But you weren't here. You ever been in one of those points? It says when Jesus saw her weeping and he saw the other people wailing with her, says, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. And then in verse 34, it says, Jesus said, where, where have you put him? They said, Lord, come and see. And then it says, and Jesus wept. We're going to look a little bit more at Jesus' two responses here uh, to Mary in just a moment. But one thing that stands out to me is that in our pain, Jesus promises his presence. They're grieving over the loss of their brother. And while they feel like, Jesus, you're a little bit late, <laughs> Jesus still comes. He comes to them. He enters into their pain. And Jesus is present with these two sisters that are just torn apart. It's a great reminder for all of us. And, and some of you in the room, you've been through pains or losses, and, and, and you've been in moments where, you know, somebody had passed away that you really love or you care about, death knocked on the door of your family in some way, shape, or form, and, and people said things, right? They said things, hey, time heals all wounds, or, or people said, hey, they're in a better place, and, or, or people said, hey, just let me know if there's anything that I can do, and all that comes out of a heart of love and care, and so we, we nod and we say thank you. But deep down inside, those trite, right, those trite responses, they don't fix what we are feeling in the moment, do they? But what we do need is just, not words necessarily, but just somebody to enter in, somebody to be present, to know we're not alone, to, somebody to weep. 
with us. And that's what's so astounding about Jesus here, the Savior of the world, the one that has power over life and death, and yet Lazarus, his friend. I think sometimes we, I think we forget, like, Jesus was a real person. He had real friendships, and his friend is now dead and in a tomb, and it says, Jesus wept. Two words that are so powerful that, that say to us that, hey, you know, when you're going through loss or hardship or pain, you don't have to just, you know, be strong. Keep it together. Because the Savior of the world, he broke apart and he wept. It reminds us that, that when we're weeping, Jesus is present and he enters into that weeping with us. I think of what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. I, I believe this is saying that there's something that, there's a, there's a way that God can come close to us only when we are that crushed and low and hurting and broken. Jesus promises us his presence in our pain. Or Psalm 56, verse 8 says, you, God, you'd keep track of all my sorrows. Like, you're not missing this. You're not unaware. You're not uncaring. In fact, it says, you have collected all of my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. So if you're here this weekend and you've been through pain and loss, grief, or if not yet, you will, this is a part of life as we know it. It's a part of being a human. Just know that in your pain, in our pain, Jesus promises his presence. And not only did Jesus weep with the people, but notice the other response. It says, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled or disturbed. I don't think Jesus, I mean, he could have been, I suppose, like Mary comes out to him and like, hey, Jesus, you should have been here. You could have done something. I mean, he, he could have had a right maybe to be a little upset with Mary, like, do you know who you're talking to? Or, you know, but I don't think that's what this anger was aimed at. I don't think it was anger at Mary. I think it was anger at death. It was anger at grief and loss and pain. Actually, the book of John says that in beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. It's speaking about Jesus. In, in the beginning of all things, Jesus existed, and Jesus helped create all that is. He created this entire world, and he created humanity, those first human beings, Adam and Eve, and he created this world for us to enjoy and for us to embrace a relationship ongoing with God, our Creator, to enjoy with love and hope and freedom and health and strength and wellness. <laughs> but then humanity thought they knew better and went against God's playbook for life. And the result was all these consequences then of sin and death. And so Jesus in this moment, he's angry. He's angry at death. He's angry that this is the way that the world is. So it's a reminder to us that Jesus weeps with us. And when you're angry, at least angry for the right reasons about the right kind of things, God's mad too. 
And the incredible thing is he has all the power to do something about it. And that's where the rest of the story points. Not only is Jesus present in our pain, in our pain, Jesus also gives us his promise. Because uh, what he says to Mary uh, is kind of his presence. But what he says to Martha is his promise. And now Martha, she meets Jesus much in the same way that Mary does. In fact, she asked Jesus the same question that her sister asked. Lord, if only you had been here, you could have done something about this. My brother wouldn't have died if you had been here, Jesus. And in this moment with Martha, he doesn't weep with her. He doesn't get angry about sin and death. No, he gives a promise. And what does he say? Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. And then listen to his words. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Jesus gives a promise, a promise that is, is so big, is so powerful, is so hope-filled. Like in this minute when they believe their brother is dead and gone and stinking in the grave, Jesus says, listen, I want you to know something. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm bigger than life, and I'm bigger than death. And the person that believes in me, even though they might die, they will still live. And Jesus makes good on that promise right there in that moment. If you, if you read the rest of John chapter 11, you know that Jesus, in, in, in anguish, weeping, and in anger about death, he walks over the tomb of Lazarus. You guys, listen, Easter wasn't the first resurrection. He walks over the tomb where Lazarus has been in the grave, and Jesus says, Lazarus, come out of there. And in that moment... Uh, an incredible, awe-striking miracle happens, and Lazarus comes out of the grave. And people are in awe. And Jesus shows that he really is the resurrection in life, that he has power over sickness, that he has power over death itself, and that he can extend life that goes beyond life. And remember I said Jesus promises his presence in our pain? Do you know Jesus also went through the pain of death? That's what we celebrated just two days ago on Good Friday. Jesus, an innocent man who lived perfectly, was tried as a criminal, arrested, beaten, spit upon, whipped, stabbed, Nailed to a cross that he did not deserve because we deserved it. We deserved to die. We deserved the guilty punishment of disobedience, of selfishness. And Jesus willingly gave up his life. He's present in the pain and he knows what the pain feels like. But we know the rest of that story too. It's why we're here today. That on that third day, Jesus took up his own life. He took back power and he overcame the grave and the stone was rolled away and nobody knew where he went. In fact, the, the women went to the tomb to check on the body of Jesus. And it says they were met by these angelic messengers and they said, why are you looking among the dead for somebody who is alive? He's not here. 
He's risen from the dead. And Jesus in this moment, he shows he doesn't just extend it to others. He is the resurrection. He is the life. And he can offer it to any person that believes. That believes. It's a reminder that the empty tomb signals to us that we don't have to live an empty life. We can live a life, a full life. Not without not without pain, not without trials. I cannot promise you that. But I can promise you this. If you believe in Jesus, you'll have his presence in the pain. And you'll have his promise that goes beyond the pain. But it begins with trusting him. So many, many people in this room are followers of Jesus. It's why you're here. Like, this is a Super Bowl for us, right? And, and, you, can, and you can say, yeah. And you can, say, you can say with me, man, listen, I know this Jesus, and he's changed my life, and I found it. I have found everything in a relationship with Jesus. Let's sing about that together. Like I said, so many in this room, we've discovered this life in Jesus that only comes because of what he did on the cross for us on Good Friday and because of the resurrection. 
But Jesus doesn't force himself upon anybody. It's a free choice. Every single one of us, we got to decide what we're going to do, what, what we're going to think about Jesus and his claims. It leads me to the question that he asked Martha right after he said to her, Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he dies, he will yet live. And then Jesus looked at Martha and he said to her, do you believe this? That's not just the question for Martha. That's a question for me. It's the question for these people on the stage. It's the question for the greeters in the atrium. It's the question for every single one of you. It's the, it's the question for your family, for your friends, for your coworkers. It's, it's, it's the most important question for people that seem like they've got it all together or they have it all. And it's, for, it's the most important question for the people that have nothing. Do you believe? That's, that's, that's it, you guys. We can't, we can't have an Easter service without asking you if you believe this. We know that there's lots of you here. You came with family or friends or you, you came because it's Easter. I want to ask you, do you believe this? Because it's the most important thing. The, the object of your faith and belief, it determines your destiny. Yes, your, your eternal destiny beyond this life, but it determines how you will live this life. And without a, relate, a real relationship with Jesus, there isn't the promise of his presence. Or in the midst of your pain, that you'll have the promise of hope that goes beyond pain. So do you believe? Makes all the difference. This is a picture of Leanna Bender and her family, her husband, Nathan, and their two little boys. They go to our Sandusky campus of the chapel. You know, Leanna's been through a, a, a death-to-life kind of story. Several years ago, out of nowhere, she started experiencing an irregular heartbeat and lightheadedness, and she went through all kinds of testing, and they couldn't figure out what, it was, what was wrong, and so then they sent her off to the Cleveland Clinic and they ran more and more tests and she was scared. Her mom had recently had a heart attack and she thought, my gosh, God let that happen to my mom and what if that's, what if that's my story too? She became so desperate that she, she called out to God and, and yet she was angry at God and upset with God and she was overwhelmed with emotion and she was depressed and and discouraged. And they took her in for a surgery that was extremely risky because they thought it was the only hope, but even her husband didn't want her to have the surgery. He was just afraid of losing her and the risk that was involved. And it caused friction even in their marriage. And they, they, they... took her into surgery, and the worst of worst happened. The, surg- the surgeon perforated her heart. And then for months of recovery, with really no recovery, I mean, totally missing out on life, 
barely getting around, bedridden most of the time, no interaction hardly with her kids. It's like, where are you, Jesus? And, and she came to a point where she was so low one day, she started saying her goodbyes and writing letters to her boys. And on that same day, she called the surgeon and she begged that they would try another open heart surgery. And to her surprise, they agreed. And so she went back, back under the knife and they fixed it. This is Leanna, six months post-op. Now, I know this is not the beautiful end of the story for every one of you. Some of you are like, I wish that would have been the story. I wish that would have happened. I wish my dad was still here smiling. I wish our son was still here. But the hope of the resurrection, of the resurrected Christ, is that even if we die, we'll still let still live. Even if this wouldn't have been the end of Leanna's story, because she put her faith in Jesus, she would be alive with him. She would have the hope of eternity. She would have the hope of being fully healed. But we won't have that hope. We won't experience that. And, and trust me, she would say, uh, before all this happened, she believed, but she was going through the motions. And it wasn't until she went through this horrific situation of pain and loss and grief and depression that she discovered for real in her life the presence of Jesus and the promise of hope beyond life. So, do you believe? It's the most important question. And if you want to talk more about that after the service, if you wrestling, wrestled with that or, or you want to reach out midweek, shoot an email or call the church, listen, we're, we're just here. We're here every Sunday, actually. And we exist as, as a church to help people move one step closer to God and each other through a relationship with Jesus, the resurrection and the life. It all begins by surrendering. Saying to Jesus, forgive me for living life my own way. Forgive me of my sin, my waywardness, my selfishness. I, I believe, Jesus, what you did on the cross when you died, you died for my sins, and that when you rose from the grave, you did so so that you could offer me forgiveness and real life. I surrender. I give my life to you. You can do that right now in the midst of this song. Let's sing. a couple times. Would you stand with us? Your power and surrender. Your strength when I was weak. Your patience in the way. Provision for my needs. Your heart when mine was broken. Your will for my desires. Your peace within Presence in the fire.
for love. Great to worship with you. Hopefully you've felt cozy in this room. A lot of people here. Hey, it's great to be with you, and I want to welcome you back. As Pastor Todd said, we're, we're here every weekend, and I want to tell you what we're doing starting next weekend. Maybe you know the Gospel of John in, in the New Testament. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you know, over the years, my experience, when somebody has a question, what, what's the Bible all about? What's Christianity all about? What's, what's Jesus all about? We direct them to the Gospel of John. And that's what we're going to start studying next week. I can't wait. I've been a Christian for a lot of years, but I need to be reminded all the time there is life in Jesus. Not just eternal life, but life starting right now. So we're going to be getting into that. We welcome you back starting next week. All right? Thank you for being here. Now go in the name of the one who is risen and who alone gives us hope. Have a good day.